0: This is Fast Forward, brought to you by Tech Manchester. Starting a business is exciting. It gives you the freedom to create your own routine, work on something you're passionate about, and have a positive impact on the world. But running a business is a roller coaster. There's the long hours, the unpredictable workflows, the bootstrapping, which can also make it one of the most stressful experiences that you'll ever go through. Sadly, anxiety and depression is all too common amongst business owners. So, throughout October, we're dedicating this podcast to mental health in the workplace. We're talking with founders who've experienced mental health issues and the so called burnout, as well as experts who'll give tips on how to maintain a good mental health and look after yourself during times of intense pressure. back to Fast Forward and the final episode in our mini mental health series for the month of October, which has been to recognise World Mental Health Day, which was earlier on in the month. If you want to catch up on the previous four episodes on mental health, please revisit the Fast Forward podcast on iTunes and SoundCloud. Now, mental health is something that we all have. And when we have a good mental health, we are able to make the most of our potential cope with whatever life throws at us and be fully present in the relationships at work and in the community and at home. Alarmingly, mental ill health can begin to manifest at an incredibly young age. It affects one in eight children and young people and half of all the mental health problems that are established happen before the age of 14. Team Mental Health was founded by two doctors who realised that the way we perceive and manage mental health can impact on the ability of a person to achieve their potential. They realised that for real differences to be made, it is vital that the front lines in our communities feel empowered and supported. And we have those two doctors here with us today. So I'd like to welcome Dr Libby Artingstall. Hi, thank you for having us. And Dr Sheila Hi, yeah. Thank you so much for joining me today to finish off this um, really valuable mini-series that we've been doing this month. So let's start with uh, a little bit of your background. we love to know um, about the people that are sitting in the chairs and how you've ended up doing what you do today. So uh, Libby, will we start with you? Because actually you were the first person that I met a few years ago. Yeah, that's right. In KPMG. Yeah. Tell us a little bit about your background and... um, what you've learned and how that's uh, involved in team mental health today.
1: Okay. Um, so by background, both Sheila and I are uh, medical doctors. We went to Liverpool University together um, and qualified as junior doctors and then kind of realised that our um, passions and interests lay in supporting people experiencing mental health problems. So we specialised in psychiatry. I went down the route of forensic psychiatry. So I was working with mentally disordered offenders in um, prisons and secure hospitals. Um, and I think after many years of working in mental health services, I started to wonder a little bit about the way in which we were responding. So we had to respond to people in need. We needed to to be there and and um, and support. But it felt often like we were firefighting, mm. and there wasn't the um, necessarily the the people needing support weren't necessarily able to access the support. So we kind of thought, you know, in medical school we were taught with physical health prevention is better than cure so there wasn't anything around that in relation to mental health and mental ill health so we thought you know is there a way of us doing things differently and i suppose that's where the concept for team mental health began and mm. the conversations with sheila and i who you were working as a consultant child psychiatrist at the
0: time and uh i'll let you explain yeah. you <laughs> so how did you end up in child psychology sheila so um uh like Labe um uh, after
2: a few years of working as a junior doctor on the wards in lovely Liverpool, um, I really felt my passion was in, in working with people on their mental health. Um, I think that was one of the things that really led me to team mental health was this idea that very much when we were training at medical school and as junior doctors, when it came to physical health, we were taught to promote positive health and to educate people to prevent um developing physical health illnesses, whereas with mental health, it was very much about treating illness. Mm. Um, When I specialised in child mental health, um, I'm sure you've seen it, it's been over the media, the press for years, but the services are absolutely swamped and very much now what we're providing is crisis intervention. Um, So when me and Lubby spoke about it, we both said we really need to get um, this idea that we align mental health with physical health, and we move towards promotion and preventing mental ill health exactly like we do with physical health.
0: What do you mean whenever you talk about crisis um, interventions and things like that when it comes to mental health? like what What is mental health provision really really like, or was it like back then before you moved into the business together?
2: Well, certainly for me, working in NHS children's services, our waiting lists were extremely long and were getting longer. Um, it certainly seemed that uh, staff were massively overstretched and the services were really struggling to meet the demands of the community. Mm-hmm. Um, that was frustrating for people working in the services as it was for people um, needing the yeah. services. So um, as with any service in the NHS, it's I suppose it's... Um, provision is based on a matter of pri- priority and urgency. So, when services when the demand becomes so much, services get to the point where they can only really treat people at sort of the more severe end. Yeah. Um. So, in mental health services, I suppose sadly, um, the the biggest risk that
0: we're we're aiming to prevent is really suicide. Mm-hmm. Which is uh, just tragic because there's obviously so many other. Um, different types of mental health challenges that that young people and adults are experiencing. Um, what about you, Libby? What were you seeing in the, because you were in the detention yeah, space, weren't you? Yeah, I was working in secure
1: um, hospitals. And uh, I think that's different to general adult psychiatry in the sense of uh, throughout my junior training years, I was in A&Es all over the Northwest, kind of all through the night assessing people who were Um, at at points where their life was really, really difficult and it was really distressing. And there's there's brilliant, you know, resources available in the community, community mental health teams, all doing fantastic jobs, crisis support teams, but sometimes being able to access them in a timely manner can be really, really, really difficult. Um, And in forensic services, you know, it might be the case that you perhaps see somebody in a prison setting who requires hospital treatment for a period and there may be a wait for a bed to try and arrange that transfer um, the, the services are um, were certainly when we were um, in in that role under a significant amount of pressure and the communities were were um, feeling that in the sense that schools would Um, be concerned that children they considered had huge needs weren't able to access the specialist services so staff in school then felt like Mm -hmm. they were having to then assume a role of support um, and intervention and something they didn't feel they had the skills or confidence to do and I suppose that's why we wanted to kind of try and move from divert our skill sets from this end of the spectrum where it massively matters but also to kind of go to the other end of the spectrum so we can Aim to, if possible, reduce the number of people ultimately requiring the input of those acute mental health
0: services. Yeah, that whole prevention is better than cure yeah. mentality. Um, so, what do you, more do you think needs, or what needs to be done? Not, not that there needs to be more, because I think there's not enough. There's nowhere near enough. Um, but what do you think needs to be done in schools to help support um, both the young people, but also really importantly the staff that um, that are having to deal with these things on a on a day to day basis and don't have the training that you know that
1: yeah. that
0: medical professionals would have what do you think
1: absolutely Diane? i think you i think what you've said uh, just then is is a, it, it highlights a really important point so when we first started kind of delivering um i suppose the awareness raising sessions that we were doing around um the mental health of children and young people so how do we look after it how do we promote it how do we build um strong healthy mentally healthy children but also how do I identify signs Um, of problems so we can intervene as early as we can and use external resources, not necessarily CAMS. And that was helpful and well, you know, well and good. And the teachers were saying, you know, we know this matters and it's really helpful information. It's increasing our awareness and our confidence. But what about us? You know, we're really under pressure.
0: Hmm.
1: We're burnt out. Um, We've got a really difficult job. What can you do for us? With even
0: without the mental stuff, yeah, exactly. <laughs> I could Elf, be a teacher, hundred percent. Be a teacher, <laughs>
1: exactly. That they, they, they do um, um, incredible work, and it's really, really, it's really difficult and very stressful. Um, and so we were like, do you know what? You're absolutely right. And we've massively reflected on that and gone away and worked on developing resources and training materials to support staff look after their own mental health and well-being and within schools there definitely has to be that whole school approach where we're aligning staff and student mental health we're aligning physical and mental health because Mm. they're all part of the same thing and if we can if we can work together and have that joined up approach i think there's the opportunity to make real differences is there
0: yeah sheila you know we've talked about um sort of mental health impacting before the age of 14 but what what is the difference in like in the in the child's progress if uh, a mental health problem can be identified early compared to it not being identified mean like allowed to sort of fester and, and carry on? Well, I suppose, I mean, we, we know that it can, you know, getting that help
2: and support can massively um, change a, a child's trajectory in life. I think one of the things for me when I was training that always stood out for me was there's evidence to show that if a child or young person has just one supportive adult relationship um, throughout sort of the, the early years and um, and the adolescence in those stages of development it can change the architecture of their brain and that in itself can change where they go in life. So I suppose when we look at things like untreated um, uh, attention deficit hyperactivity disorder we know that there's much higher rates um, in the present population of people with that diagnosis so if you can intervene and get those uh, young people the support support them to stay in education um, it can massively change change mm. lives. So it's it, for me that, you know, um, the prevention and promotion is massively important, um, but there's always going to be people who will go on to develop difficulties. Mm. So it is that early intervention. I think that was one of the big things that for the teachers in schools, it's not about them taking on more or giving them another role because they do way too much it as it has already but it was really just empowering them so that if a child was struggling or showing those early signs that they could flag it so that healthcare professionals then could get the appropriate support in place for the children and young people.
0: And I think I guess we have to recognise that um, in the current cir- circumstances that quite a few children actually don't get that, that support and they then do progress into adulthood with mental health problems, um, which means, and we, we see that even um, ourselves here at UK Fast in terms of the young people that are coming through the apprenticeship programme, they're coming through with a lot more higher levels of instances of anxiety and other um, sort of mental wellbeing challenges, which we have to, as a safeguarding, have to be more aware of and be able to address. And there's lots of things in place to support them now. But, um, you know, it costs, um, I think, about £42 billion pounds a year in terms of um, lost... Um, Productivity to the UK business market. What can businesses be doing um, to sort of support their teams and um, you know make sure that they're in as much sort of in there there is as much good shape as possible? I think the the simplest thing
1: is to commit to supporting the mental health and well being of your organisation and the people within it. Um, and I, I think it's recognizing the, the huge benefits that can come from doing that. So. Know happier, healthy people are going to be more productive, and it's it's going to be a better organisation to work within. There's so many things that can be done in terms of increasing awareness. Um, that for us, that has to be a system where everybody is receiving information. Um, it has to be a broader ownership of mental health and well-being. Because as you said right at the beginning, mental health actually is defined as a state of well-being, and it's something that we all have, so we all need to look after it. So it's empowering people to kind of protect and look after their own mental health, reach out if they do need support, know what, what their own signs of stress or difficulties are. If they're experiencing problems and they're not sure what it is, reaching out for that support yeah, and having a, you know a defined strategy that everybody's on board with that's really communicated well. There was a report published um, in 2017 called the Thriving at Work Review and within that the key recommendation was that all employers, no matter what size, industry, sector, um, should adopt mental health core standards and they're really, really important. And a lot of that is around encouraging open conversations, letting people know what support might be available to them. Increasing mental health awareness, training, good working conditions, the work-life balance—all those kind of things—that mm. actually, when you see them written down on paper, they make sense. But actually, <laughs> to implement, are really quite yeah. quite difficult. So um, I think it's it's about defining a strategy and um, and moving forward with it, and just just really committing to it because it's it's so important, not just for individuals within the organisation's teams but this is stuff that we can go back and sit at our dinner tables with and talk about our families with and our friends when we're out socialising the conversation has to be happening so we can reduce stigma and really empower people to look after and protect their own mental health.
0: And I think it has become, you know, a much more open and um, easy topic for, for people to talk about. And I think the, the media has played a part in being able to share that story that people are um, that when people want to talk. Um, but let's get back to you two. Um, so you're working in child psychology, Sheila, and you're working with um, prisoners in juvenile uh, centres and things like that. So you both felt frustrated. So how did team mental health actually come about and, you know, where, like, so what happened? How did you find it? What's it all about? What is it aiming to do? Tell us about that.
1: How did it come about? Pro- <laughs> Probably involved. Lots of chats. Um yeah, it it was discussions. It was kind of maybe kind of expressing our frustrations, the difficulties in the roles we had. There's also Karen um who kind of co-founded Team Mental Health with us and she was a primary school head teacher. So she mm-hmm. was kind of on the front line in schools and saying, look, you know, these is the, we these difficulties are real and what can we do? So the concept came and and then it was around, initially around mental health awareness training. But as we've kind of progressed, we've had to evolve and and change. And because I think our vision of what, what is right is not necessarily what other people think is right. So we've kind of had to learn and really think about there's so many different factors that influence different organisations and there can't really be a generic set approach. There's got to be in every individual organisation has individual needs. So trying to kind of navigate that, um, lots of chats, lots of... Um, support from each other because despite the roles we were in in you know child and um forensic psychiatry they were really challenging but i think having a s- establishing <laughs> our own a business, business. Yeah. has been hands down the hardest thing we've ever had to do, yeah.
2: and it's tested our own mental health
0: and well-being <laughs> resilience. we were talking about earlier.
2: Yeah, um, totally. It's, yeah. It's I think that's one of the things that we said was quite striking. We spent, you know, I've worked for 15 years in the NHS, um, and a lot of that was in mental health services, and mm-hmm. actually in reflection, I didn't know how to look after my own mental health, although I was treating other yeah. people's. And I think that's been a, a really good thing for us from the get go with team mental health is what one of the things we've been looking at into is how do uh, empower everyone in the workforce to look after their own mental health? So we've really embedded it as we've gone along because I think setting up a new company is mm-hmm. massively stressful, and you know, going from a big organization to a small company, just us two, they are different stresses, but the stress levels that you can you can. Yeah. are the same so what's been nice about this is we've been able to take that learning through and really embed it in our work as we go forward so I think mm-hmm. had we not maybe been been educated as as we learnt to, to do the research for team mental health I think we'd potentially be on our knees by now <laughs> but <laughs> thankfully we've worked at you know really putting
0: practice in what we preach yeah. essentially which has been really really helpful so let's talk about that startup journey. Uh, it is a roller coaster, and we've spoken to a couple of founders in this mini series about that and, and the impact that it has had on them and what they've learned as a result of it. So talk. Let's talk about some of your um, challenges that you have faced in the actual business side of it. Um what for entrepreneurs who might be on that same journey because this is um, a podcast dedicated to them. And um, what what are some of the challenges that you both have faced along the way and how did you overcome them?
1: Where do we start? <laughs> There's been a few, hasn't there? Um, I think certainly for us, kind of having been, um, I suppose treadmill is probably the wrong word, but from from so young being committed to a medical career and just doing the same thing and learning and knowing one thing to then go into something and be meeting people from lots of different sectors and. Um, trying to work out what you need to do to, to get into to to a certain area or what do you do to market what do you do with your finances What how do you talk about money because as doctors we think, you don't really talk about you need yeah. to charge for things and yeah. that, that's felt really um, difficult and uh, uh, we've kind of struggled with those kind of conversations around that and kind of exposing our vulnerabilities like guys we don't really know what we're,
0: <laughs> <laughs> what we're doing <laughs> yeah.
1: Yeah. so <laughs> So that's been hard. But but for example, you know, and then having mentors has, has been really valuable for that purpose, because actually it's been a voice of reason, a voice of strategy, a voice of, OK, well, let's just have a look at things more clearly. And also a person to just, you know, who's not involved to just say, ah, oh, this is really hard and it's OK, I've been there, you know, and it, it, it does it. It helps you kind of keep going mm. and I think when we're driven by passion, aren't we? And it's like we just—he wants it to make a difference. And when it doesn't, kind of go in the way that you hope or anticipate, it kind of—it really—it hurts in a way because it's kind of—it gets your emotions because you just passionately believe. So
2: we've kind of had to navigate that. We're we're coming through it, aren't we? We We're keeping on, keeping on. Um, But I think one of the things that me and Lubby were very lucky with was we started this together. So we've always had each other and mm. as well as being colleagues, we've had a friendship for many, many years. So always having that support and having someone they talk, they, they rant with is really, really important. So I think I sort of feel for people who are maybe doing this alone. And it's again, it's just about that when you are struggling, make sure that you have that support network and you're talking to someone Um It's and it's again, it's going back to that noticing yourself when those stress levels are getting to a point where you need to do something. Yeah. And that to me is a really, really important thing, because when I look back over the last two years, if I hadn't had Lubby with me by my side, you know, again, I don't know that I would have been able to keep the momentum going. And I think it's been good because we've been quite good about calling each other out in that work life balance, because, again, when it's your everything and it's your passion, you I certainly found I was less boundaried about my time mm. and sort of it, finishing in the evening can bleed under night time, day yeah. two, three in the morning. And there was a period we were working like that because we so wanted to make it happen and make it fast. Yeah. And I think there's something really important about, you know, um, maintaining that work-life balance and having a support ne- network in the early stages. Yeah.
0: And so, what about the high points then? Because with every low comes uh, comes a high. I'm sure there's been a few moments where you've just been like, "Yes, we hit that. We've got there."
1: Yeah, we've had the privilege of working with some really amazing organisations, haven't we so far? Yeah. And and it, it's it's brilliant to do that, um, and it's brilliant to kind of get our message out there. And when the feedback is positive as well, it really does kind of give you give you a boost because you kind of as, I don't know when you do something for so long and it means so much. You, to a degree you, you start to question yourself and it's not going at, at the rate you want it to it's like is this really right and so we, those moments of positive feedback are, are, have been brilliant and we're, we're collaborating with other organizations and so kind of drawing on the skill sets of other people around you know sports in children around educating children and young people We're working with an amazing um, charity um, who are focused on rugby and encouraging men and uh, women to talk about their mental health problems. So we've kind of had some great collaborative work and that's really exciting and that's kind of where we're we're at at the moment.
0: Yeah. Mm -hmm. So you can see that what you're doing is actually it's resonating with people and that there is a a, there's a place for it and that that people want to do more. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So what's in the future for team mental health? What's uh, next on the horizon? We were chatting just briefly before the podcast about some stuff. Um, Do we want to talk about that? Um, yeah, so we've got some really exciting things happening. We're in the
1: process of trying to um, redesign and reconfigure our website so we can really be working towards um, whole organisation approaches for schools, for organisations. We've got a really helpful um, PDF and framework for really small businesses that just give you the kind of the key elements to help you be mentally healthy and have a strategy that works for really small um, organisations. Um, yeah, lots of collaborative work for... Um, Try, you know, maybe expanding out into. And we've got our, our first uh, client in the
2: south of Ireland now, which is exciting yeah. as well. Because I was born in Dublin, she grew up in the clan. north, uh, <laughs> and getting getting given given back to the people of Ireland. Um, yeah,
0: are uh, exporting. You're officially <laughs> exporting. <laughs> yeah, well.
1: <laughs> yeah, so lots lots of exciting things. Keep yeah. Keeping on. Luckily, you'll have your jail
0: nationality, Sheila. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's amazing. It's so great to hear that um, that you're expanding and, and the, that the team mental health brand is is reaching uh, further, further afield. So well done. Um, we always like to finish on some helpful hip, hints and tips. And I know that your website's full of them because I've done some of your um, your videos and audios, uh, Sheila. So you can certainly check those out on www. TeamMentalHealth.co.uk. Mental. Perfect. <laughs> um, but what can founders and business leaders um, do, like what could they do today to start, if they're not doing anything at the minute, what are maybe some of the things that they could start doing today to help building and to ensure a thriving workplace in the future?
2: Um, I suppose from a workplace point of view, as Lubbe said, some you know the, the mental health core standards, it's a very, very simple um uh, framework that uh, can be quite easily implemented under a business. But even before that, I think it's about um, allowing mental health to be talked about in your organisation, promoting that as a mentally healthy workplace. Um, for me, it goes back to, I think, there's a lot of pressure on employers because they have legal obligations to protect employees. But give it back to your employees as well. Let them get educated about looking after their own mental health and well-being and share it as an organisation. Don't leave one or two people in your organisation responsible for mental health. First of all, it, it's too much to ask of any one person. So really embed that whole organisation approach and, and give everyone across the, the organisation responsibility. Yeah.
0: We always like to finish the podcast with some tips and uh, guides for fellow entrepreneurs and and business owners to help um, them progress their own businesses. So what can uh, founders and business leaders do? What could be some of the things they could start doing today to help build and ensure a thriving workplace for them and their employees? I think the, the main thing for
2: us is really to embed a meaningful mental health strategy. So Something as simple as, you know, getting um, your workplace somewhere that mental health is safe to talk about, making a mm. mentally healthy workplace. From an organisational level, if you're a, you know, a bigger organisation, as Labby mentioned earlier, the Mental Health Core Standards is a really nice place to start. Um, and that encompasses that whole organisation approach. I think there's a lot of pressure at the moment on employers because they have legal duty, duties to look after their employees but um, we believe give it back to the people and employees have to take responsibility for their own mental health too yeah. and across an organisation I suppose for everyone people often asked us you know what the magic answer is to positive mental health and wellbeing and it's such a complex thing there is no one magic answer but I think um, the five ways to wellbeing are something that we really promote Um at an individual level, at an organisational level and they are really to keep active. We know that physical activity is really, really good for us. Stay connected, so make sure that you have that work-life balance and you're making time for your family, friends, colleagues. Being present, making time for things that you enjoy, being curious, being in the moment. Keep um, your brain active Mm -hmm. as well, so keep learning, Try, try out new things, try out new hobbies. And the last, which I think is my favourite, is um, kindness and gratitude. So we know that being kind to others makes them feel good, but being um, being kind to others makes you feel good as well. But something that we feel that people always forget is to uh, be kind to yourself too is really, really important.
1: Yeah. And I think it's that whole thing about saying thank you. Um, you know, in our previous roles, I don't think there were many times when people said thank you, and I think it would have made it, things feel easier um and and you feel better about yourself if people if you feel appreciated so um saying thanks and keeping a gratitude diary so on some days it's can be really challenging and uh we try most days not brilliant at it but to kind of write right let's find three good things about our day there has to be some positives you know really small uh, whatever they are um hmm. but try and find them and go home with kind of a A positive frame on the day because it it really does make a difference and can kind of stop those negative thoughts creeping in and and consuming.
0: I really appreciate um, you both coming in and taking time out of your busy day to share your expertise, to help others. I'm really grateful for that and hopefully that will help some people out there um, get a better night's sleep. Oh, Thank thank you you so much for having us, really appreciate it. If you feel that you may be struggling to cope, or would like some advice on how to improve your mental health, there are links to a variety of support groups in our show notes. Please check them out on SoundCloud or iTunes.